Hey golfers, what's going on? Tim Connor here, golf coach, golf academy owner. My job is to help you play better golf, give you more tools, resources, and best practices to help you with your golf game. Now I am fresh off of coming from Alaska, big ass state, pretty cool trip, very wild, but it gave me a lot of time for reflection and just time outdoors, wild places, wild spaces, and very little cell phone service. For me, that's always been something that I think helps me a lot, keeps me grounded, gives me time to clear my thoughts. And if you've never spent a little bit of time without cell phone service, I think it really can be a gift in today's modern era. Anyway, Alaska was good. Did some fishing, saw some amazing things, got the camera out, and just I feel recharged. I feel ready to rip. I hope you feel that, and uh, we're going to have a great podcast. Today, I want to talk about some of my rules for changing ball flight. I think it's important to have rules and structure, not because this is a 100% black and white kind of deal, but because if you understand the rules and the foundations, you can make better decisions. And if you need to break the rules, that's cool. I've kind of been known to break the rules. In fact, I've never been really good at having people tell me what to do. But having some rules and some structure can allow you to make educated decisions. And if you want to break them, that's okay. Just understand that you're breaking what is typically the mold for success. The mold that I found over time after giving like a lot of lessons, like 15,000 lessons, I'm, I'm kind of done keeping track. I know roughly how many lessons I give every year and I'm just going to project that out. Rules for changing your ball flight. All right. So a lot of you, whether you know it or not, you struggle with the slice. If your ball curves to the right, you struggle with a slice. If you've ever made a wedge curve to the right, you struggle with a slice. If you hit low pulls, you struggle with a slice. If you hit low pull hooks to the left, you struggle with a slice. What I mean by that is you struggle with an open club face. More often than not, I find myself closing a player's face than opening it. But today we'll talk about both what's important and how to go about it. Rule number one, if you don't like your curvature, change the club face. For most of you, that means your ball is curving to the right, and it means we need to keep our club face more closed. Now, the connection to your club face is your hands and your grip. This is where grip becomes ultra important. Your grip is really not a necessary prerequisite to create decent contact, but a good grip will help support good club face control and management. I want you to understand that there is a bit of a difference there, and that's why I typically don't force grip down a beginner's throat because they're learning a lot. They're learning a lot. And during that process, distracting them by making them have a picture-perfect grip is not necessarily the best distraction. They need to figure out the components of how to move and how to make the ball go airborne. Once they can do that, then we can refine the grip and refine club face control. That's my kind of preferred work through. But like I said, rule number one, if we don't like the curvature, we change the club face. Now I just alluded to this, but if your contact sucks, and it might, you gotta be honest with yourself, if your contact stinks, you should not be working on your curvature, you should be working on your contact. I have to put that out as a disclaimer to this podcast because contact is a prerequisite to creating better curvature, all right? 
The reason for that is if your club hits the ground early or you hit the ball thin, like it really doesn't matter if it's curving right or to the left if you're not creating good contact. With that being said, curvature. Rule number one, we're going to change the club face. What does that mean for you? Well, let's start with the grip. What is a good grip? It's one in which the creases of your thumb and the pad of your hand, if you attach your thumb and, and make it touch your hand, that forms a crease. We want those creases pointed about towards the trail shoulder. We want your fingers to either be interlocking or overlapping, or if you have tiny hands or you're brand new to the game, you could do a 10 finger grip too. Bigger hands generally overlap the fingers better, so the pinky rests on top. The, for, so for the right-handed golfer, the right pinky or the bottom hand on your grip should rest in between your index and your middle finger. So it's just resting there. That would be overlapping. It's generally better for bigger hands, like large-sized golf gloves and a better, and above. Interlocking is generally better for smaller hands, so large-sized golf gloves and below. If you're in some middle ground, you could go either direction. And honestly, you could go either direction either way. There are great golfers that have played the game with either grip. I don't think that's something you should bog yourself down with. I think you should make a decision to roll with it. And then we want the creases of the shoulder of those hands pointed about towards our trail shoulder. And then the club should be running on a slight diagonal through our fingertips and down the down the club shaft through a slight diagonal along our fingertips. Generally speaking, more in our fingertips than in the palm of our hand. Most people make mistakes by trying to get too palmy with their grip. This podcast isn't really meant to be about grip, but you should understand grip because grip is the beginning of club face management. As we swing back, a club face that is more angled towards the ground is more closed. As you swing to the top of your golf swing, a club face that is more pointed towards the sky than the ground is more closed. As you return to the downswing, a club face that is pointed more towards the ground is more closed. I say that because most of you need a club face that's more closed. And most of you struggle with a slice. So we want to get that ball curving to the left. All right? We're not going to dig in too deep on how to close the face. I've done podcasts on that before. We're talking about the rules for learning to manage your ball flight and create a solid ball flight. So rule number one, and I'm repeating this for a reason because it is so important you understand this, is rule number one, we want to change the curvature. And I would like a person to be able to confidently curve the ball the direction they're intending seven or eight times out of 10. So if I gave you an assignment, I said, hey, we're going to hit these next 10 balls. You're going to make them all curve to the left for a right-handed player. You would be able to do that. All right, that, that's kind of what success is in this department. Now remember, these rules are there to give you structure, but they're not black and white, and rules well, somewhat, somewhat, uh, somewhat are meant to be broken. But with some structure, you can make educated decisions, and if you're making educated decisions, that's really all I can ask for. And if, you're in the, if you are your own distraction, well, hey, that's, uh, we got to figure that out. It, why why are you keeping yourself from, from playing better golf? All right. So theoretically, now we're getting the ball curving the direction we want to curve it. Now we're going to change our swing direction. So for example, for a traditional slicer, because this is most of you, you're going to close the club face and then you're going to hit pull hooks. When After you're hitting pull hooks, then you're going to change your swing direction to swing more inside out. Inside out for a right-handed player is to the right of the target. 
meaning the club is traveling from the inside of the golf ball and out to the right of the target. That's inside out. Our goal now is to change our swing direction so we can change our start line. Now this is confusing because I, I'm actually defying what ball flight laws say. And I'm not defying what ball flight laws say, I'm just like the order of operations, I'm changing the verbiage on you a little bit. So your club face dictates the starting direction of your shot. It always will. If your club face is pointed to the right, your ball will start to the right. If your club face is pointed to the left, it will start to the left. But I want you to think about this. If you're hitting a pull hook, your club face is pointed to the left, your ball is going to the left. But by changing your swing path, we're not necessarily changing the relationship of the face to the path. We're changing the direction of the swing, which will in turn change the start line of the club face. Kind of complicated. We don't really need to get into the weeds. You don't necessarily need to understand it. The most successful way I found to change a ball flight is to change the curve, then change the swing direction. After you change your swing direction, like let's say you, you, you swing more to the right, you swing more to the right, and I'm referring to a right-handed player through most of this podcast, then our golf ball will eventually start to the right and curve to the left. How much curve does it have on it? Well, I guess it depends how much you swing to the right and how much you close the club face. I like this evolution because number one, we've learned some control of our club face, which is very, very important for long-term golf. And number two, we are learning how to some aptitude for our swing direction. So not only are we learning what's new and what's different, we're gaining aptitude for another style of a golf swing, a golf swing that's more productive, but a golf swing that is different than what you're used to. So you're kind of learning the spectrum of how to swing a club which in my opinion for long-term skill development is ultra important that you have the skills to swing outside in and inside out. If your comfort zone is swinging outside in, well, you, you don't need to live in your comfort zone. We're living outside that comfort zone by learning to swing inside out. Again, this podcast is not necessarily about the technique of how to swing inside out, although I would say my first most best practice is simply to put an alignment rod on the ground past your golf ball, point it out to the right, and try to swing your club down that line. So your club is going to trace that line as long as possible. That's a best practice. It's one of my very favorite ways to help a player swing and visualize swinging inside out. It's It works really, really well for most people. So rule number one, we've changed our curvature. Now that we've changed our curvature, rule number two, we're changing our swing direction. Once we've done both of these things, well, congratulations. You're, you're doing really well. You're doing better than the majority of players. You have a broader skill set than the majority of golfers. And you should be improving drastically and understanding the game better and understanding your swing better. And that just makes the game more fun to play. Outside of that, if we can work the ball from right to left and start it to the right and make it curve left, I really like from that point to work back towards hitting a golf ball that's relatively straight and high. And at this point, you could make a decision. Do I want to work the golf ball right to left or do I want to work it left to right? My recommendation would be to work it right to left. Not to get into the weeds on you too much, but it's a little simpler to swing from the inside of the golf ball if you understand that the swing works on an arc and when your ball is on the ground, your club is swinging down into that golf ball. Naturally, that moves our swing direction to the right. And if our swing direction is to the right, it's easier to curve the golf ball slightly to the left. Now, there's good players that do both. I want you to understand that too. And I want you to understand that 
as I told you earlier, a lot of this stuff is just giving you a framework for educated decision making. I'm not here to tell you what to do unless you're my client, then I'm here to tell you what to do. But this is just stuff I found to be best practices through the years. Anyway, I want to appreciate you all for hanging out. I want to say thank you. This podcast is a really fun platform for me to kind of like let the things I say live and breathe out into the world and let you take this information and run with it and give you some better practices. Let me know what you thought of last week's podcast I recorded with Gordon, one of my awesome clients here. I would be happy to do more of those. I just want to hear from you all if you enjoyed it or if you like this format a little better where we just kind of sit down and, and debunk some golf stuff and talk about some things that I see that have worked really well for me. And uh, as always, feel free to share your opinion and comments with me on the social media or send me an email. I check my email. I'm active in there. I like hearing from y'all. I appreciate knowing your perspective because I don't know what you don't know. And I will catch you back here same time, same place next week.